If you sell on Amazon, then you know how converted owning the buy box is in the Amazon marketplace. My guest today talks us through the key signals Amazon uses to determine which retailers win the buy box. He also talks us through FBA, which is fulfilled by Amazon, how to start up on Amazon and scale up, and all about dynamic pricing. Stay tuned if you want to find out more. Welcome to the 2X e-commerce podcast show, where we interview founders of fast-growing seven- and eight-figure e-commerce businesses and e-commerce experts. They'll tell their stories, share how they 2X their businesses, and inspire you to take action in your own online retail business today. And now, here he is, the man in the mix, Kunle Campbell. Hi 2Xers, welcome to the 2X e-commerce podcast show. I'm your host, Kunle Campbell, and this is a podcast, as usual, where I interview e-commerce entrepreneurs and online marketing experts who help uncover new e-commerce marketing tactics and strategies to help you, my fellow 2Xers, double specific e-commerce metrics in your online store. So if you're looking to double metrics such as conversions, average order value, repeat customers, traffic, and ultimately sales, you're in the right place. On today's show, I have Shmuley Goldberg. He's the Director of Marketing at Fidvisor, which is an Amazon repricing platform. Shmuley is an experienced marketer. He's worked for several B2B SaaS tech startups. He used to be the Director of Marketing and Senior Technical Evangelist at Clicktail. Most of you might know about Clicktail. And he's a featured speaker at industry conferences all over the world, globally. So, Shmuley, welcome to the 2X e-commerce show. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. And um, could you take about a minute or two to tell our listeners about yourself? Sure. As you said, I'm an experienced uh, online marketer. Most of my experience has been B2B, which means I've had a lot of time and a lot of uh, efforts given towards helping online uh, stores, be it e-commerce on their own website, be it through Amazon. Um, all the startups and all the technologies that I've been involved with over the last few years have really been aimed at e-commerce sellers. Most of them have been very successful. Clicktel is now used by hundreds of thousands of people all over the world, and we already have nearly a 1,000 people uh, using Feedvisor, so we're growing very strong. And again, my passion is helping medium and even large businesses improve their online metrics. That's great. Um, our listener base, majority of mid-tier um, e-tellers. So Fidvisor, how long have you been with Fidvisor for? I've been here for a little over two years. Two years uh, the okay. company is, is about three years old. Three years old. Okay, fantastic. So you've been almost there from day one. So Shmuley is going to be talking about the Amazon buy box. Now, some of you are multi-channel retailers and um, some of our listeners also might be considering Amazon and the coveted buy box is what we're going to be talking about. Um, without saying too much, I would just ask you to explain what the buy box is, is all about. Sure. So when you have several people selling the same item on Amazon, mm. as often happens, they're all listed together. They're grouped under one product listing and you can see this yourself. If you go on Amazon and you pick a popular product, on the side you can see 
8, 10, 20, 30 people that sell the same item. The buy box essentially controls which one of those sellers gets the sale. And it's the yellow button you can see uh, in the top right-hand corner where you actually push the buy now button. Okay. So unlike eBay, where you probably have multiple listings for a particular item, say I list an iPhone case, I could have 10 other listings that are somewhat identical. You know, there's more control on an individual basis. In Amazon, Amazon controls a singular version, more or less. What makes, is this kind of like a constraint um, in Amazon or do you see this as an advantage or, or a bit of both? It's definitely both. Okay. There are many sellers. So it's a constraint if you're one of those, you know, let's say there are 20 people trying to sell the same item. If you're one of those 19 that doesn't <clears throat> make the buy box, it's definitely a constraint because 80% or 85% of the sales for each item go through that buy box. So by not having it, you're definitely at a disadvantage. However, it actually works as an advantage to many other sellers. Because when you buy when you win the buy box, and that's the term we use, we say that you win the buy box gotcha. or you win buy box share, you're able to sell your item and sometimes at a higher price than other people. And that's given to you as a reward, so to speak, for having great metrics, for having good seller rating, good shipping time, very low returns. So it almost rewards positive and great sellers for their service to the customers. So it encourages strong customer service, which is an absolute win for the end user. Mm-hmm. It, it almost pays back those people, those sellers that spend time and money invested in their customer service. So for them, it's a great opportunity. However, if you don't keep your metrics up and if you kind of uh, don't give your customers a great experience, then it can definitely be a detriment to you because it's simply harder and harder to actually make sales on Amazon. Okay, we're going to talk about the metrics because I was of the idea that um, for a consumer, from the consumer side, I get the best prize rather than, um, you know, um, the best quality seller. So we'll delve into what makes up the quality seller that wins the buy box. Okay, so... Could we go into like the the core metrics? What does Amazon look into to towards you know um, get awarding the winner or a retailer or merchant that buy box per listing? So there are many. There's actually uh, fifteen to twenty requirements, well, okay. <clears throat> but there are four that stand out above all. The first and most important is your fulfill- fulfillment method, and that defines whether or not your fulfilling through Amazon, or you're sending the items straight to the customers yourselves. If you're selling through Amazon, if you're using FBA, which is a fulfillment method which can be expensive but is very, very good, then you have a much greater chance of winning the buy box straight away just because Amazon trusts their own shipping services more than yours. Okay. After that, they look at three other big metrics, which is your landed price, which is your total price to the customer, your seller rating, which is your kind of percentage score, and your shipping time, which is how long it takes you to get your items to the customer. And generally, each one of these can be bracketed. So your seller rating can be, let's say, between 98 to 100, and it's about the same, or 95 to 97, it's about the same. Mm -hmm. And shipping time is the same. You can be zero to two days, and it's about the same, and you can be three to five days, and it's about the same. Mm -hmm. So as long as you're in a, a high enough bracket with a competitive price you stand a very high chance to winning 
buy box share. So it's not necessarily that you'll win it all the time, but you'll win it maybe 50% of the day or 70% of the day. And if your metrics aren't as good, but you're still competitive, then you might win it 10 or 20% of the day. And if you're not able to compete with the, the other people in the market, you simply won't win it at all, which essentially means you almost can't sell this product. Right. Does that mean if I browse through the alternative sellers, I could potentially find a cheaper price than what's on the buy box? But obviously, compromising on perhaps shipping times or the quality of the seller. Definitely. And I would imagine, you know, four times out of five, you might be able to find the item cheaper. But I would not normally recommend going with the cheapest guy because the quality of the product in question and also the quality and the reputation of the seller themselves. So they may be getting cheap knockoffs and selling them at a lower price, or they mm. might be selling that item, but as they don't worry about returns they're able to sell at a lower price because they haven't got additional costs okay so it's not always recommended just to go with the cheapest and our experience has shown that less than 20 percent of people will always just buy the cheapest everyone else is going to go with a reputable seller that's quite interesting so so, so amazon pre-selects almost automatically selects the the best seller does, does it work does does it does it really work or are there glitches in in the system in the buy box system so from my experience, it works. Okay. I wouldn't say it's flawless, but it does work. Sometimes there are anomalies, things that you wouldn't expect. Um, but most of the time when you investigate, you can actually work. Interesting. A few shows ago, I um, interviewed a retailer. Um, they sell car parts online. And they said they started out with eBay initially and eBay was was kind of like the holy grail of anything externally from from their website and um it, it the tide has sort of changed that now amazon is you know brings as much business as ebay to 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 their business and, and they're about eight ten million you know um dollars in revenue um my question has got to do with um amazon's placement in terms in the marketplace and more for multi-channel retail um where does amazon sit in in the pyramid does it is it top or is it side by side with ebay as um as they they alluded to in my experience amazon is is far and away above ebay i'm just looking in number of sales in terms of exposure in terms of customer base uh in terms of the infrastructure that they have around the, the products and around the promotions not only does Amazon count for a third of every single dollar spent in e-commerce in the U.S., uh, throughout Europe, in Germany, in U.K., in France, it's it's significantly um, a higher player and a more experienced player than eBay. Uh, eBay was big, but as eBay's shrinking, and it has been over the last few years, Amazon's taking the place. And Amazon is also a better location for professional sellers, people mm-hmm. Uh, like the ones you mentioned, making you know half a million dollars a month on Amazon, find it an incredibly powerful platform. It almost acts as a retail outlet. It's a channel in and of itself. Absolutely. Where, whereas eBay may be kind of a supplementary income. Eventually, most uh, marketplace sellers sell on Amazon, and they might also sell on eBay. Okay. I wanted to ask you about the featured sellers. Um, I've come across it in in a few articles I, I've read. Could you expand? Um, upon what it means or entails to be, you know, an Amazon featured seller? So featured sellers used to be public information. It's now not. It's now called buy box eligible seller. And now it's it's hidden from the customers, but it's shown in the back end of each um, 
customer access to the seller central. Mm. Essentially what it means is it's a seller that's proven their ability to deliver a Amazon-worthy experience. So they've had enough sales under their belt with enough positive feedback um, and enough you know, orders sent successfully that Amazon now trusts them, so to speak. In order to win the buy box, you have to be a featured seller. You can't be a f- win the buy box unless you're a featured seller. But recently, we've seen it easier and easier to become a featured seller. So normally, after a couple of months and sometimes even a couple of weeks, as long as you're doing okay on Amazon, you'll automatically become a featured seller. And if not, you can often ask and they'll you know, do some magic behind the scenes and, and push the button for you. Okay. Um, for e-tailers, listeners of this show that um, are considering moving to Amazon, say they've been running their store for a year or two, probably even three years, and um, they they haven't thought about or you know um, approached Amazon. Have they missed the boat, or is is there still traction? Is 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 there still room for them to 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 build out an Amazon store, an Amazon presence? They haven't missed the boat at all. Uh, you could start on Amazon today, tomorrow, and still build up a presence in a matter of weeks. We have sellers of ours. Uh, making in the tens if not hundreds of thousands of dollars a month on Amazon that are less than three months old. It's easy to start. You just have to perform, and that's absolutely key. Would you suggest they start out with, with FBA initially, right from the onset, um, to, to, to improve their, their, their seller rating? Definitely, and that's what I was, I was going to recommend. I'd start off with a couple of items, ideally cheap items, even items that you could sell almost at a loss on FBA initially. And make sure you pick items that you know sell well in volume and get good feedback. And your goal initially is just to kind of build that momentum so that you prove to Amazon that you actually know what you're doing and you can run a retail business. Pick an item that sells well. Pick an item that you can get at a good enough price to sell en masse without you know, hurting yourself too much. Sell at FBA if you can to kind of set yourself up for those first two weeks to make you know, a couple of you know, ideally hundreds of sales, and then you'll get featured merchant status, you'll get yourself up and up in the buy box share, and then you really can uh, control your own destiny. So then if you want to go FBA, FBM, you have the ability to choose. Sounds good. Is the featured seller sort of um, accreditation, is it is it product level metric or a category um, level metric or a seller level metric? So it's primarily seller level. Okay. So normally you get featured seller status across a whole bunch of products and categories at the same time. Okay. There are exceptions. So sometimes, let's say specific categories, you might not get featured in straight away, or maybe one or two categories you'll get featured earlier and others maybe later. Um, it has been known to have within the same category one product that you're featured and the other one you're not. There's not always a lot of clarity and visibility into why Amazon do this. They're not a transparent company almost by reputation. Generally, it's a seller-level metric. Speaking about um, transparency, I had a, a mate, a friend who at the office, actually, because I, I, I work in a, in a workspace. Um, he, he's, he runs a retail business and um, he decided to set up an Amazon store for the first time. He logged in once and then he logged in again. The second time he logged in, it was banned, totally banned. He sent loads of emails to their customer service and there was absolutely no, no answer. And then, you know, as a last resort, he, he got the, the Amazon UK CEO's email address. He, he somehow found it and emailed him. And then within an hour, his, his account was, was released. Yeah, I, I, unfortunately, I can believe such stories. Um, 
they're an incredible marketplace. They're an opportunity uh, that can potentially be worth, you know, tens if not hundreds of millions to a seller. But I cannot for one second begin to fathom everything that they do, especially when it comes to kind of seller rights um, and opening and closing and banning accounts. Right. Okay, so one question I've always had behind my mind is if Amazon is, could you use Amazon, um, is Amazon solely a price-driven platform? Because I, there's this feeling that I feel it's commoditized in, in, in a way. Um, I don't know what, what, what your thoughts are. What, what do you think? Does a brand sort of, you know, lose some equity going on Amazon, you know, or having an Amazon presence? I don't. I don't believe a, a brand loses any brand value or equity at all. Um, some of the largest brands in the world sell on Amazon, no question. Um, if you pick, in fact, any major brand, you can find products made by them and often sold by them on Amazon. I think it is commoditized in regard to that anyone can sell anything. So if you have a slightly more generic brand or a brand which is sold by many retailers, then it's commoditized in the in the fact that. You could have tens or hundreds of people selling the, you know, the same bunch of items, but it's definitely not price-driven. It's experience-driven. It's customer success-driven. If you have, if you have a, a higher price but better metrics and significantly better metrics, then that is more important to Amazon than if you have a lower price but lousy metric. It reminds me of the quality score in Google AdWords. It, it seems like you know, rather than looking at advertising metrics in terms of the performance of your adverts, Amazon is actually looking at the performance of your business, your retail businesses. Okay. That's a very good way of looking at it. It's a nice comparison. They're both closed algorithms. We don't necessarily understand how either of them work directly, but we've learned how to influence both of them and can manipulate them if needed. Interesting. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, let's go back to, to new sellers. Um, new sellers, pe- people going in, in new into this. I, I understand there's a top 100 best sellers list in Amazon per per category, per major category. Yeah, um, those are the top, the best selling products in each category. Would, as a strategy, would, should new sellers aim at um, products in, in this sort of ca- the, the top 100 list or... Um, is it too competitive for new players to to to, to play in? I, I wouldn't recommend targeting uh, that list straight away, because there's going to be a lot of competition, mm-hmm. and for new sellers that haven't got their metrics yet, and more importantly, can't go as low price wise to the other people. You know, they simply haven't got enough buying power. Um, I would recommend to stay away from that. I'd find whatever your let's say your best selling items are on your own website, mm-hmm. whatever you can get cheap because of good customer you know good vendor relations or that you have in your warehouse and what you're to sell and i'd start with those items i'd start playing to your strengths as opposed to playing to kind of marketplace uh competitors one of the benefits of, of google google adwords especially is um you could reverse engineer your strategy so you'd with keyword research essentially in amazon is there anything similar where we we know what people are you know, searching for and we get that sort of intelligence um, from, from past trends to, to, to kind of tweak or decide to, to go into what to, to sell. It's not really the buy box algorithm that can be 
manipulated in that way or, or reverse engineered as such because the truth is it changes so drastically from product to product mm -hmm. that you couldn't necessarily tell me one specific product and say, yeah, that's a good product for you to sell. Um, more importantly, the market changes so quickly and it's not that the algorithms necessarily change so often, but the sellers coming in and out of the marketplace so often the, what the uh, you know the environment looks like one day is, is kind of like a microeconomic environment will be very different on the next day. And when you have Google AdWords, the pages themselves are fundamentally static. They may change over time, but the number of pages is similar and the key keywords are similar. With Amazon, that's not case. Big sellers come in and out, small sellers come in and out on a almost daily basis. Okay, so so they don't provide any data on um, search on you know keyword searches in, in within amazon they provide some uh data but it's not i mean the sales rank of an item is used to kind of guesstimate what's uh how many are being sold it can tell you that one's being sold more than another or the demand is higher for one item than another mm -hmm. but it's not always a key indicator of what to buy next you're not relying on the changes in the algorithm you're relying on changes in the marketplace so a certain item can become popular overnight and lose popularity just as fast exactly like toys over you know, november and, and exactly okay um what advice do you would you have um for selling internationally through amazon <clears throat> internationally is a very good question if you're selling in the states then try and do as much as you can from the States. Have an American account, use FBA in the States. If you're selling to Europe, try and do as much as you can from England. By having item in, in, in .co.uk and listing them in England, especially through FBA, you have the ability to sell them to any other European country, mm -hmm. such as France, Germany, Italy, Spain, directly from your Amazon.co.uk account. It's much easier than you think. Once you have everything listed and selling in England, you literally push a button of, you know, sell this item internationally, and you're there. It's not a lot of effort to sell internationally on Amazon at all. It's actually a very low barrier to entry. Would you, would you suggest FBA with, with international sales on Amazon? That's always a tough question, FBA versus FBM. I think it's a good place to start. It makes sense for a lot of businesses and you have to look at your own cost structure and what you're selling and, and other regulations and uh, you know metrics. But generally, it, FBA does try and be competitive. There's a lot of hidden costs that can hurt you if you don't know what they are. So obviously, if you know your business, you're in a clear advantage. But they're not fundamental in order to actually uh, do what you need to do. So as long as you're confident that you, your ability as a business, FBA is a great starting point. Okay, so long as the math actually works. Okay, right. Um, what, what's your advice um, to, to a retailer looking to, say, list over 3,000 SKUs on Amazon for the first time? Is, is there a structured process or, or flow to, 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 to follow? Well, as long as those SKUs already exist on Amazon, it's relatively simple because the, if the SKUs already exist, then you're working with listings that are there already. You're just adding your name to the, to the list of people selling it. Are there any tools to, to, to upload them on mass or would you have to, you know, um, just go, go for a tough slog and upload them on, you know, on, on a case-by-case -case basis? So Seller Central allows you to upload in bulk. It is possible with their backend to do that. There are one or two tools. Uh, nothing great comes to mind. But anyway, I would never start off by recommending anyone starts with 3,000 items at once. Start on the tens, then move to the hundreds and finally to the thousands. Okay, all right, thank you. Right, let's talk about FID, Pfizer. Um, 
one of your your your, your value proposition really is um this dynamic price strategy. Could you explain the concept of Amazon's dynamic pricing strategy and how FIDFISA kind of fits in or you know um, solves this this pain? Sure. I mean, as we said before, the buy box itself is not only controlled by price. Price is a is a key component of it, and your landed prices is kind of critical to get that right. But it's a mistake to believe that the cheapest price always wins you the buy box, as we've discussed several times. Mm-hmm. The trick, therefore, what you need is a system that understands all the other metrics that go into the buy box, such as your fulfillment method, your accelerating, shipping time, and then is able to work out in real time the highest possible price you can set your items and still win the, the amount of buy box share you want. So instead of winning a 100% buy box share, which is overkill because you're winning it every single time and being the cheapest, maybe you'll win 80% buy box share at doubling your profits or tripling your profits. So your volume in sales goes down by 20%, but your profits go up by 200%. This balance between maximum sales and profits, as well as the understanding of exactly your best price in each scenario based on the buy boxes, competitors, price elasticity, demand, etc., is exactly what FeedVisor does. We work out for you in real time the highest price you can go to and still maintain your targeted level of buy box share. Okay, okay, that, that's really clever. So it's, uh, yeah, okay, that makes sense. So look at not just, well, price based on the other quality metrics, seller exactly. rating, shipping. Does it look into inventory? Buy box itself doesn't look at inventory. So it's not something we take into account when we set prices. Okay. But the FeedRider system does help you manage and optimize your inventory. So we'll tell you when you're running out of stock on your key items. We'll tell you when you're holding too much stock and perhaps should liquidate some items in order to free up shelves. We do actively help you manage your inventory. We have replenishment reports and scouting reports. Um, but the price itself is not controlled by the inventory level. So it's not something that we take into account. Okay, so let's let's give this a use case. Um, so if I had an account with um, if if I have an account with Fidvisor, does that mean it'd be like my my login, my dashboard to to Amazon, or would I still need to to log into Amazon to do a few things and um, log into Fidvisor to optimize my, my 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 Amazon listings and you know get the best price and the most profitable, uh, the, the most get the most profits off off my listings. So the truth is, once you set up FeedVisor, you don't really have to log in to do that. We do that all for you automatically. Okay. We're always trying to get the most profit for each listing. And certain things, such as you know replying to customer questions, you'll still have to do in Seller Central. But FeedVisor's revenue intelligence gives you all your core information, all the intelligence you need in the FeedVisor login. So we'll show you your sales numbers, your profit numbers, your, you know, your trends your metrics will show you what your top selling items are your worst items the way you're making money where you're losing money where you're at risk all that we show you in feedvisor the full revenue intelligence platform gives you a, a deeper understanding into your own e-commerce business than amazon are trying to do because amazon is just just an order management platform you'll still have to log in occasionally but all the information you need you get from feedvisor but the optimization and the kind of the profit um, you know, finding that best profit point mm-hmm. that we do for you automatically. Okay, so it's it's almost plug and play. Besides the reports, it is complete. The actual price itself is complete plug and play. Mm-hmm. And then, if you wish, 
you know, if you're using the intelligence aspect, all that's in FeedVisor whenever you need it. Okay, so so on, on average, um, what kind of results would does FeedVisor typically deliver um, using some base metrics? So Internet Retailer did a interview of some of our customers, um, and they came out with the following numbers. They saw a 40% increase in profit margins. Some items with a fi- had a 500% uh, increase in sales, so that's five times sales. Typically, they worked out that Feedvisor takes, saves up 90% of the time you'd normally spend repricing. Um, and from our own numbers, I know that our sellers grow year over year on average two and a half times. Hmm. So the average seller that comes to us today making 100000 is making 250000 a year from now. Interesting. Very, very, very interesting. So um, that's a lot to take in. Uh, so, so how often, well... How often would you typically change prices or would that be on a case by case basis for, you know, um, depending on competition on, you know, on the kind of item and seasonality or, you know, do you just change it, you know, very often or what's the frequency of change in, in pricing in, with FeedVisor? Well, we make 25 million pricing decisions every single day. Right. So we're always watching every single price you have. So every single item. Uh, we'll make price changes whenever they're needed. So sometimes that can be every 15 minutes if it's a very volatile market. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that can be a lot less frequent if it's an item that doesn't need to be repriced. But we make pricing decisions for every single one of your items every 15 minutes. Okay. I was just going to connect back to my last um, to, to, to your last comments prior to this. Okay, so for the savings, not just savings, for the revenue generated through 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 Feedvisor, what's a co- what are the cost implications to 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 retailers using Feedvisor? Do do they pay per listing or do they pay per sale? What what's the pricing structure like? So it's a pay as you go system. Customers are welcome to turn it off and turn it on as as works for them. Um, there's no long term commitments in that regard. We also allow for customers to choose what they wish to reprice with us and what they don't. And they only pay for items that they reprice. And generally, it's, it's a fixed low base fee with a you know, small percentage on items sold, maybe you know, half a percent or 0.1%, depending on what plan they go for. Um, so it's a small bit fixed base fee plus a percentage of only those items which actually sell through the Feedvisor system. So I guess they're invoiced after, you know, um, once everything's calculated at the end of every month. Okay. Exactly. Okay, okay that makes sense. Okay, two questions. Oh, one is, can retailers outprice Amazon to to to, to the buy? Because I, 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 I've been noticing Amazon creeping into products, into various categories and owning it and actually, you know, owning its own inventory. You know, obviously, that's what it started out with. But in marketplaces, you know, Amazon would see the gets all this intelligence, sees how profitable a particular product is, and then you know starts to sell it. When Amazon has stock, um, our retailers basically, you know, is it is it hopeless to 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 to, to compete against Amazon, or um, or can retailers out win Amazon to the buy box? Um, so that's actually one of the advantages. We're probably the only system in the world that lets our customers beat Amazon to the buy box again and again. We see Amazon as a top seller, essentially the seller with the same metrics as God. Um, And for all intents and purposes, they are. They've sold more than you, they've got better ratings than you, and they've got more success than you. But that doesn't necessarily mean you can't make any sales. 
again, the buy box is a percentage. So if Amazon is there at a certain price, we can work out either if your metrics are good enough or your, you know, your cost price is low enough, ways of cutting very deeply into Amazon's buy box share. Sometimes we can take you know, 10, 20% of the buy box share, so you're still making sales and you're still making profit. Um, other times, if you really have an advantage, you can be taking the buy box outright. You know, if you're buying it a lot cheaper than they are, your metrics are strong, and you've got a lot of good recommendations, Amazon themselves, as the retailer, don't actually get a special preference on the Amazon marketplace. They've just got better metrics than you. If you can beat their metrics or you can get the item for cheaper or a combination of both, you can beat them. And our sellers beat Amazon to the buy box every single day. Interesting. What, what impact does this have in, in price volatility in, in Amazon and for, for the end user? Is it, is it to the advantage of, of the end user and much to the disadvantage of the seller? I know you, you, you do maintain profitability, but um, how does repricing and the dynamic the ever-changing dynamics within pricing on Amazon actually affects price volatility? To answer your question, it's definitely better for the end user. And that is simply because we're getting the best price based on each seller's metrics. So if a, metric has lower, if a seller has lower metrics, we will lower his price point to make it at least give value to the customer. Okay. If, a, if the seller has very high metrics, then we'll raise his price to the point where we're still delivering that best possible value to the customer and no one has to go with the price the whole landscape dictates that there are other people at different prices if you choose to go for a less reputable customer a seller or you want to go even you know more expensive for the high reputable seller so there's no price fixing so to speak but there's a lot of volatility between sellers and this is something we can take advantage of because we're watching the market the whole time we take demand and price elasticity and supply into account and therefore we're able to really make sure that the sellers themselves are maximizing the profit in each and every sale and the customers are always getting the best possible value for money every time they're in the buy box okay and how um, and and does um, does does Fidvisor also take in um, my cost, the cost of listing the product, um, the cost of buying, you know, um, all costs associated with getting that listing on Amazon, in in its um, calculation for for repricing. Of course we do. We're looking to maximize your profit, so we take into account both your costs and your sales volume and your inventory to make sure that you're always doing the best you can based on your situation, based on, you know, if you have a special relationship with a specific vendor and you can get an item cheap, then we'll use that to your advantage. If you have the opposite, if you're just starting out and therefore you're not buying in bulk, you're buying in smaller amounts and your costs are higher, we'll make sure, therefore, that you're still maximizing the profits even though they may be smaller than other sellers. It's the ability to work with your business and to attune itself to whatever your goals are. Okay. Reassuring. Okay, so um, this is a question I've been itching to ask. Um, what happens if two retailers sell the same item on Amazon and then use Fidvisor? It's not a problem at all. Um, in fact, if you're using one of our competitors, if you're using a standard rule-based system, then they're just going to drop each other by a, a dollar or a penny until they're both pretty much flawed out and no one's making any money and, and the skew is destroyed. But with us, if we have two sellers selling, will understand that no two sellers are identical. 
So one may be at 98% accelerating in two-day delivery. The other one may be at 85% accelerating in seven-day delivery. And if that's the case, they will both get a buy box share that they deserve based on their metrics and their price structure. So maybe the guy who's 98% will get 60% of the buy box. The guy who's 85% may get, you know, 20% of the buy box. And then that last 20% is fought out between everyone else that doesn't use Freedvisor. But we'll still make sure that you get the right amount of buy box at the best possible price based on your seller metrics. Sounds good. Sounds it makes sense. Sounds quite logical too. Okay, right. So on a final note, um, I'd like you to to offer um, parting advice to one um, existing Amazon retailers trying to maximize profit, and two to newbies, um, new 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 retailers um, looking to start out on on Amazon, established retailers but looking to start out on Amazon. Okay. So to existing Amazon sellers, to you know the old school, the old guard, um, the, my best possible advice I can give is, is know your metrics. Understand how high your seller rating is, your shipping time. Understand what your landed price means to the Amazon buy box. Use a tool like us, obviously, that will take best advantage of this. But by understanding the brackets that the buy box looks at, you're able to actually have a, a massive impact in your sales and profitability with minimum effort. So if you know that you're on the 97% mark of seller rating, maybe make one or two deals that you wouldn't normally make just to get yourself to the 98 part because when you go from 97 to 98, you're in the upper bracket in terms of the buy box and therefore all your prices can go up. And if you're using a, a good repricer system like ours, it will make sure that one by one, each one of your items goes up by a couple of pennies. But if you're selling tens of thousands of items, that means a massive difference in terms of profitability in a very short amount of time. So that's my biggest advice I can give to high volume sellers. Like, know your metrics. On, on that note, just I just want to throw in a, a small question. Um, I've noticed some retailers that reduce their price drastically so they could undercut the market by 40 30 maybe 50 percent however they they bump up their price again when it comes to shipping is that good or or is that a no-go area for so from my experience it makes little difference amazon themselves look at landed price Mm. so it's price of the item plus full shipping costs it's the cost that it gets to get this item to the door of the customer so in terms of the buy box algorithm in terms of uh, winning that coveted spot it makes no difference whatsoever if your price so to speak your cost is in the item itself or the shipping side it's just a question of perception and from my understanding uh, this is less and less important nowadays Good landed price. Okay. And then your patent piece of advice to, 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 to retailers looking to go into Amazon? I would say, number one, start small, start FBA and test the water. You want to start with your best foot forward. If you start badly on Amazon and you screw up your first couple of shipments, it's going to put you in a position that simply will not be able to recover from. So start with your best sellers, get ready to fulfill on time, get ready to ask for feedback and do it politely. Start with your best foot forward and you'll, you can soar very, very quickly. You can grow into tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands or more a month 
very, very quickly. If you start off shaky and you hit you know, your first 10 or 15 sales and your seller ratings in the 80% mark because you, you ruined or you, let's say you lost two out of the 10 orders that you started off with, it can take months to recover from that. Good, good, good. Thank you so much, really, for coming on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure. I learned loads um, about winning the Amazon Buy Box, and um, thank you. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of 2X eCommerce. To help you get more actionable insights and e-commerce growth hacks that will help you 2X your online retail business, hop over to 2xecommerce.com. It's a blog dedicated to e-commerce and multi-channel marketing run by the show's host, Kunle Campbell. 2xecommerce.com is packed full of articles and guides to help increase traffic to your store, increase repeat purchases, and average order value. Thanks for listening. Visit 2xecommerce.com.